With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't hey, play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have Gentlemen of Steeler Nation, welcome to the second edition of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com's newest podcast, The Steelers Hangover. It's going to be the day after every single game. We want you to call in. We're going to give you all those juicy details here in a second. I'm Jeff Hartman with you as always. Uh, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and with me is my trusty partner in crime, Brian Anthony Davis. How you doing tonight, Brian? Hey, howdy, Jeff. I am doing fantastic once again in week two. Awesome. Now, let's let's give you the rundown in case this is your first time listening to The Hangover. Uh, I think that's a fitting name, especially after yesterday, that first 1 o'clock Sunday game. This is all about you as the caller. If you want to call in, give your voice, uh, uh, give yourself a chance to spout off about whatever. If it's about the, if you're angry about something, if you think that the, the Bengals were given a, a, a rough deal with the way that the penalty or the uh, fumble at the end of the game, whatever you want to talk about, you can do so. You can call in 347 347- Eight five zero eight five eight one. That number to dial again is three four seven eight five zero eight five eight one. And as always, all of our shows on the Behind the Seal Curtain platform, which is the standard is the standard, is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia, home to one of the nation's top one hundred ranked trial attorneys. And Frank Walker, look him up if you have some legal needs. Now let's get right to the the. Let's get right to the meat and potatoes, so to speak. We're talking about the Bengals game, week two, huge win for the Steelers, 24-16. to 16, The second straight week that the defense held the opponent to 16 points, it was, pre- it was not pretty. Uh, and I would say that the same thing probably with the week one game, except it was a little bit more clean. Some might chalk that up to the weather, uh, <laughs> at times torrential downpours at Heinz Field. Nonetheless, the Steelers did not play well offensively. D'Angelo Williams has been doing his D'Angelo Williams thing, which has been incredible, and they still were able to scrape out 24 points. That's impressive, and that's something to keep in the back of your mind. But in my opinion, this game was all about the defense. The defense that 
only gave up one touchdown. That was tremendous in the red zone. I don't think they've given up a red zone touchdown yet this entire season. And on third downs, they held the Bengals to four conversions out of 16 possibilities. I mean, you think about that. That's mind-blowing. I mean, when everyone thought that this defense, especially the secondary, was going to be just god-awful, they've turned out to be a very, very big bright spot on this defense heading in. And, and I got to say, that the players said this. They called this. They said, we're just going to wait until week one, and then we'll see what everyone thinks about the secondary. Uh, the defense isn't getting a lot of push up front. Doesn't seem to be hurting the defense, so I'm sure we're going to talk about that today. Brian, what were your thoughts, knee-jerk reaction, so to speak, about the Steelers game yesterday? Well, you know, Jeff, hangover is a perfect name for the show because when you have a great night out, sometimes you wake up with a great smile on your face, you roll over and you realize you did stuff you weren't supposed to do, but it was an epic night. Then sometimes <laughs> you wake up in an alley in a pool of your own yuck, you do the walk of shame home, and you hope nobody remembers anything that happened. Luckily for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they woke up with a huge smile, and we all did in Steeler Nation today. You know, the Steelers battled Cincinnati and Big Mama Nature in a triple threat match yesterday. Steelers were lucky, and they, you know, they were well-versed to get that three count for the win to go 2-0. and oh. And, you know, you're right, it was ugly. It's like, you know, the the ugly girl taking her to the prom. You know, you're not going to brag about it, but you got to dance, and the Steelers got to score a whole heck of a lot. So that's good for me. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I did a I wrote an article today for the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you're listening and haven't checked the site before, make sure you do so. Uh, the 2-0 start to the season is pretty it's pretty crucial if you look at the past. Under Mike Tomlin, he's only finished 2-0 and four times, counting this year, 2007, 2008, and 2010. All three of those previous years, they made the playoffs. In 08, they won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43, and in 2010, they made it to Super Bowl 45, but lost to the Green Bay Packers. That's a good sign, but then also ESPN stats and information stated that teams that start with a 2-0 and record have a 63% chance of making the postseason. So I'm not saying it's a guarantee. No one is. But at the same time, they are setting themselves up for success, and that's a big thing for the Steelers, who have, let's be honest, not gotten off to the best starts under my starts in the first half. But right now they're sitting pretty as they get ready for week three against the Philadelphia Eagles. But that's not what we're talking about. We want to talk about the Bengals game in week two. That's what this show is all about. It's all about you calling in. You can do so. 347-850-8581. Let's get to the first caller. This gentleman's always on the air with us. He's always the first guy, the Hall of Fame caller, Vito. Vito, what's going on, my friend? Hello. Vito, you there? I am here. Good evening, gentlemen. How's it going? Good. I was watching the game yesterday. First time in a while, Jeff, that I've uh, purchased this streaming, NFL HD streaming, where you can watch all the games online. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the game with my daughter. We kept losing the feet, so we had to keep refreshing to watch the game. But it was, uh, it, you know, it, it's amazing. But I was telling my daughter, I said, look, this is not one of Ben's good games. I mean, you could clearly see the guy slipped at times. The ball was coming out wet. I mean, it was a, it was a tough game for him. I think it was a tough game for the offensive line, getting footing and everything. So, and, and I think at times you saw how Ben had to step up. He had to rush certain things. But you know what? Give him a lot of credit. The guy still was able to get three touchdown passes to the right receives at the right time. And you know what? There were some points left on the field because I think the first or the second drive of the game, 
he threw a pass, and I think Antonio Brown was open. If he would have went his way, he probably would have had him inside the 10-yard line, if not a touchdown. So I'm sure they know they left points on the board yesterday. But, you know, with the weather being the way it is, to escape, they would have victory on the offensive line, doing the best that they can. And, you know, even though Ben didn't have his great game, he threw those two key interceptions deep down. I'm sure the weather had a lot to do with it. But, um, look, guys, we're 2-0. and The defense has really stepped up big time to keep us in these games and, and keep them close to give us a chance. I mean, you, you can't ask for better than that. And now we go into Philadelphia, which I think that's a game where Pittsburgh, you know, should be able to handle them as well. You know, Vito, I can't, I can't agree with you more. It was not pretty for Roethlisberger. He's had these types of games in the past. If you followed his career since 2004, the difference is, is that in the past, I think back to mainly the 2009-2010 season, where he would have those interceptions, and they instead of kind of coming back in the second half and playing better, it would be a downward spiral, and it would just be ugly from the moment that the game got started. And so, honestly. I saw some resilience in Ben Roethlisberger that showed me something. And a guy that's won two Super Bowls and he's been to several, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that he has to show me personally as a fan anything, but he did yesterday. Um, kudos to this offense. They've literally and figuratively dropped ball in the first half. They, they had unbelievable field position on more than one occasion. Um, his interceptions were not killers. You know, they weren't the in your own and in, in your own territory throwing that crucial interception that's going to lead to points. Um, it, it just, I thought that the, that the Steelers' offense to put up 24 points when they played that poorly, it just goes to show you how good this group is. And this group is still shorthanded. That's what people need to remember. Marcus Wheaton, he did not get the credit that he deserves. But when you watched that game yesterday, they missed him on the field. They miss Marcus Wheaton because Marcus Wheaton gives them a legitimate number two opposite of Antonio Brown. And I know Sammy Coates had his, his two big catches and all that, but he doesn't have the dynamic route running that Marcus Wheaton does. So Marcus Wheaton, by all accounts, should be back next week against in week three against the Eagles. But not to mention, when Le'Veon Bell comes back in week four, that adds another wrinkle to the offense. This offense is already good, and it looks like it's only going to get better so you know what my as Mike Tomlin says, style points don't matter. Winning ugly doesn't matter. It's the fact that you're winning, and that's important. They won at home, too. My dad's always told me this my entire life, as long as I can remember. He'd say, Jeff, it's simple as this. You win all your games at home. You split on the road. What do you have? A 12-4 and record. And I think anybody would be happy with a 12-4 and record. Brian, what are your thoughts on Roethlisberger's play and, um, you know, the, the, the offense moving forward? This is going to sound very homer, but I love Ben Roethlisberger's play for a few reasons. So first of all, there was a pass where he did a little dance backwards. Uh, in fact, on ESPN tonight, Steve Young put, or Trent Dilfer, one of those guys, uh, put a little tutu on him because uh, it was such a beautiful dance where he got himself out of trouble, was able to put the ball up for a completion. It was it was just a thing of beauty. He has the maturity now to know how to get out of trouble. He did some Houdini acts yesterday that were just incredible that, like you said, the 2009 Ben could not do. He just knows exactly where his guys are. He has that sixth sense for his guys. He has that peripheral vision that is working. And those interceptions, you're right, they weren't costly, and they didn't concern me. The reason the, the first interception on fourth down did not concern me at all is because I just flew out of his hand. That was uh, that was Mother Nature right there. It was wet. 
it just flopped. And on fourth down, I we were they were saying is that my friends were saying, oh my gosh, I hope that's not an interception. I'm like, I hope it is an interception. I'm not worried about a stat. I mean, that's field position. And uh, so that wasn't a big deal to me. The second one, I thought Sammy Coates was coming down with that ball. It just, uh, it, it's almost like he gave up a little bit on that play. So I'm not, I'm not apologizing for Ben, but his play yesterday far outweighed. And I really liked what he did on the field yesterday he has shown that he owns this team. He is the guy. He is the general of that offense. And, you know, that's why I keep saying, I know it's only week two, but there's something special about this year. And I saw a lot of positives in that game yesterday, and I'm running with it. Absolutely. Vito, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, I think uh, we're in for a great season. Um, I agree with what you said, Jeff, about Wheaton. Hopefully he'll be back next week. And uh, then the week after, you got Bell, and I'm just looking at the next two games. So you got the Eagles next week in Philadelphia. Then who do we play week four? The Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football at Heinz Field. In, in Heinz Field. Okay, so. Yeah. And that's October 3rd. Correct. Okay, so here we go. So if we if we were to win in, in Philadelphia, which we can do that, I don't think they're a great Absolutely. team. Although you guys know better than me. Yeah, I mean, I, I I said before the season started, if this team can go three and one in the first quarter, I'd be ecstatic. And now you're looking at, it and you're thinking, hell, what's stopping them from going four and out? Um, they still have to play the game. I realize that this is going to be a sure has yet. I don't know how the Monday Night Football game is playing out. Philadelphia is playing Chicago right now, um, but if they win that game and they're two and zero, I mean, you're still going to hear the trap game talk. Tomlin's record against parties on the road, yada, yada, yada. I've heard it all before. This I don't, I don't different. see that happening. Yeah, I don't see that happening this year. I agree with you. No way. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's no fun time left. Go ahead, Brian. You know, Jeff, there's something funny about playing in Philadelphia. They have not won in Philadelphia since 1965, so that's 51 years. And I don't know what the problem is playing in Philly even when they go in with a good team against a bad Philly team, something happens there. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit leery about that. But like I said just a little bit ago, with this team, that I think they could break that drought in Philly. That's how special this team is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Vito, we thank you for the phone call as always. I look forward to talking to you next week. Yep, here we go, 3-0. Absolutely. Love Thanks it. for calling in. You know, we're going to talk a lot about the upcoming game in Philadelphia, and I did not know that statistic that you mentioned about them that haven't won since uh, 1960, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's tough. It, it's a tough place to play, regardless of how good the Eagles are. Uh, and like I said, we're going to talk about that ad, ad nauseum on Wednesday night. Uh, Lance Williams and I will be in the Standard is the Standard, our flagship podcast for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm, I'm curious to see how Carson's does tonight on football, and um, I think Ben Roethlisberger's due for a bounce-back game. If, if you look at Roethlisberger's statistics, and his statistics were not good yesterday. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you have it in front of you, Brian, but I don't think he even completed 50% of his passes yesterday. His quarterback rating had to be pretty low, and if it weren't for those two bombs to Marcus Wheaton, who ended, I'm sorry, Sammy Coates, uh, he would not have had good passing numbers at all. So, uh, he's always one of those players that seems to bounce back statistically. 
Uh, don't be shocked if he goes into Philly and has a sense of purpose and Antonio Brown, especially as well. You know, Antonio Brown is not used to being bottled up like that, and he had that very poor drop. Uh, I think he, everyone that was there, was stunned that he didn't come down with that third down reception to move the chains and get some yards after the catch. But nonetheless, I think they're both going to have something to prove uh, coming up in week three. Well, um, if you want to call in, the phone lines are open. The phone number is 347-850-8581. Again, it's 347-850-8581. So we don't want to just hear ourselves talk. We want to hear from you. So make sure you call in. Um, to ask you, was there anything else, Brian, that after the game that you what could have been individual players, uh, it could have been uh, something from the coordinator position in terms of play, scheme. Uh, anything else stand out to you uh, in the game Sunday? I think a lot of things stood out to me. One thing, you just mentioned Antonio Brown. First of all, that drop that he had, he was looking towards the end zone, and they were giving him a lot of grief on the sidelines. And I was surprised that guys in street clothes were, uh, were joking around with him in that manner, and he was just taking it. But you could tell he was seething because it looked like he was thinking about his next dance step because he thought, oh, I'm pulling this in and I'm gone, which he would have been. I mean, that guy, there would have been no one around him if he would have caught that ball, and he just turned his head. Uh, you know, a terrible game, but I think that was Mother Nature speaking to because on the other side of the ball, you have A.J. Green, who is against the Steelers, is just a world beater. Beater In 10 games, he has close to actually over 1,000 yards against the Steelers. That's how great he is against the Steelers. And Ross Cockrell and that defensive backfield bottled him up. But I think a lot of that had to do on both sides of the ball with two of the best receivers in the National Football League had to do with a wet turf, a wet ball, and balls not getting to him as well. Now, he was complaining after the game about catches, about uh, targets. But he had 11 targets on the day. But now next week, I will actually place a bet that he has, if you go the over-under, take the over on 15 catches because uh, 15 targets, excuse me. He is going to get the ball early and often, and he's going to demand it. Yeah, when you said 15 catches, I was like, man, that's high even for him. But 15 targets, I think that's safe (laughs) to say. Um, Yeah, easily. But, you know, you talk about Antonio Brown, you talk about Ben Roethlisberger, both of them, in the article that I write after every game, the winners and losers column, um, they both found themselves in the losers column. I can't think for the life of me since I've been writing this article or publishing it as the editor, have seen both of their names in the losers column. I don't know if Antonio Brown has ever been in the losers column, but he was, and I think rightfully so. I think I got a lot of grief from some fans who don't want to face facts, but I mean, other than that, I mean, you look at this team, We'll just talk about the offense. I mean, I thought the offensive line did a great job. Ben was under pressure, but kudos to the Bengals' defense, too, okay? I mean, you're going up against good pass rushers, whether it's uh, Geno Atkins or or you're going to give up pressures, and you just have to hope that Roethlisberger, like he did yesterday, was capable of finding the way out, and he did more than he did. He was only sacked one time. He got hit, sometimes illegally. We're not going to talk about that because we don't want Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals going in talking about Negate and all that crap. But anyways, the offensive line played well. D'Angelo Williams, I mean, can you say anything better about this guy in terms of just how he's playing? And, and I, hate to, I hate to compare sports, okay, but to me this, this, sounds, this feels a lot like um, if, if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and Brian, I know that you follow the Penguins, 
if you think back to their past Stanley Cup playoff run, who was in goal in game one against the New York Rangers of the first round? Can you remember? Jeff Zadkoff. Exactly, and he won the game for him, and everyone was like, holy cow, he made some spectacular saves. That momentum got him started off on an unbelievable run that eventually ended up in the Stanley Cup. D'Angelo Williams is almost in his own way doing the same thing, in my opinion. He is giving them a spark, some life, at a position where a lot of people wonder, is he going to be able to do it? Is he too old? Is his body going to break down, even if it's just for three games until Le'Veon Bell comes back? And he's proving all of the doubters wrong, but he's also doing it in a way that no one really expected. Now, the 143 yards against Washington week one was impressive, but the 90 yards, I don't care if he had two point whatever yards per carry in week two, he was moving the chains, and it was gritty. It, you knew that no, none of those yards were easy. They kept to the run game. I'm super, super impressed with D'Angelo Williams. He is phenomenal. He's a team guy. He, you saw him interviewed by De, uh, Deion Sanders after the game, and Deion said, well, what are you going to do when Le'Veon Bell comes back? He goes, look, he's the guy. I just want to win a Super Bowl. I don't care about yards, stats, all that stuff. I just want to win a Super Bowl. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers' way. So that's what it is. Garrett is not the Steelers' way. This is the Steelers' way. And I thought other than that, I, I've called Sammy Coates this a, a couple times in, to my friends and people that I talked to about the Steelers. Uh, but to kind of finish my talk before I get Brian, I called Sammy Coates a gamer. You know, you, people that went to the training camp I make it this year, they talked about how he's inconsistent. He gets some drops every now and then. He dropped the pass in week one on that quick little screen out to the, out to the flat. But ultimately, he's a gamer. He's a guy that just seems to show up big when the when the brights when the lights are the brightest. Think back to the AFC divisional round game against the Broncos. He didn't catch a ton of passes. He caught those short intermediate routes and used his speed and his big big body. He's a big wide receiver and just ran. You know, and so this time he took the top off the defense and it was a great two catches. He's averaging over thirty yards per catch. It's pretty impressive, but I thought that the offense kind of rallied around then D'Angelo Williams stepped up. They rallied around A.B. Sammy Coates stepped up. Don't forget the tight ends. A.B. Grimble had two big catches. I thought that his first down catch uh, to move the chains late in the second half was almost as big as his touchdown catch. And Jesse James, that great catch on the, t- on the uh, sideline, his touchdown, great game. I thought offensively, when I, when I kind of break it down in my head, and I've done that right now in audio form, I've I'm, been I'm pretty impressed with the offensive performance, given the factors, like you said, Mother Nature, uh, the poor play by the quarterback and your best wide receiver. So what, what were your thoughts offensively, Brian, uh, of the specific players and maybe the scheme overall? Well, first of all, let's talk about D'Angelo Williams one more time. You know, he has a future after he retires, you know, shilling for Nationwide, dun, 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 because he's the <laughs> best insurance policy in the game right now. Um, in fact, you know, I'm putting him, when he's a backup, again, I'm putting him as the best backup in the, in the league. And the one thing that there was a lot of talk about before Le'Veon Bell, we found out about Le'Veon Bell's suspension, was the fact of doing a pony formation or a, uh, a dual back threat with the two of those in the same backfield. You know, let uh, Todd Haley go into his laboratory and let him tinker around. You're not going to see the same thing that you saw last year when Le'Veon comes back, D'Angelo is just non-existent until he gets hurt. No, you, they, are go, they are going to use him. He is going to 
be a lot more prominent in the game plan. So he's not going to go away. But he is the guy that is hungry. You know, you don't come back and uh, play at 32 and 33 to not win a Super Bowl. And he was fine with not being on the Carolina Panthers roster last year because he knew what that team had going forward also because of the injuries last year. And I think he has a sixth sense that that his team, if they do everything they can do, is going to be in the Super Bowl this year. And I think that's one of the reasons that he is here, the reason he signed that contract in the first place. He said it. You know, I'm coming here to play and win in the Super Bowl. And, you know, that could very well well happen because B. Will has the will for it. And, you know, another thing, he said something else after the game. He said, you know, I'll take 3.0 a carry and the W any time over 7.0 a carry and a loss. So I don't care about that. So that, that's a big deal out of B. Will. I put him in, the, in one of my uh, articles this week in the Random Thoughts from a Black and Gold Mind. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I think he is on the Mount Rushmore of Pittsburgh Steeler free agent signing. Um, and he is one of the best signings in the history of this team from another team. You know, you put him up with guys like Ferrier and Kevin Green and Ryan Clark and, and D'Angelo Williams is right there. That's how special he is to this team. And he just goes out and he grinds. As far as Sammy Coates goes, you know, the guy was a class act in college. You know, he played in a national championship game. He is the deep threat. And right now he's making us think Mark Tavis too because he is taking the top off the defense. And Ben, we talked about Ben having the confidence in Eli Rogers last week. He has the confidence to go deep to Sandy Coates, and that's a big deal. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And and it's funny, I was talking with um, a couple of the writers today uh, on Google Hangouts as we were breaking down film, talking about what we're going to write about in our film room series for the upcoming week. And someone said that, you know, when Sammy Coates came out of college, they compared him to Terrell Owens. When Martavis Bryant came out of college, they compared him to Randy Moss. And when you look at the styles of play, I think it's spot on. Um, Sammy Coates, big, more muscular. He's, he's not as straight line speed. He's, he's not as good in tight spaces. Martavis Bryant is the opposite. He's longer. He's leaner. He's, looks like a freaking gazelle running down the field, and he certainly has the capabilities to go up and get the ball. So there's definitely the difference. But we do have some callers here, uh, so let's get some of them on the air. We'll go by who's been waiting the longest. All right, here we go. We have 832-256-6588. Go ahead, drama Jeff and Brian. What's going on, Jeff and Brian? This is Melvin in Dallas. How's it going? What's up, Melvin? Hope you enjoyed the game yesterday. Yeah, man, I I really did enjoy the game. It's funny, uh, I was listening to Brian talking about uh, D'Angelo, and I remember sitting at the table and I was telling my buddies, I was like, I think D'Angelo Williams has definitely been one of the best free agent signings that we've had in a long time. And, and I know Brian had already touched on that. But I I just kind of look at D'Angelo as like, I don't remember, I don't know if you got, well, I know you guys probably remember, like, when Flozell Adams came to our offensive line and everybody's like, you know, he's washed up, he's always jumping offside because he's deaf. It just seems, it just seems to me that when you come to an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're on the, you're on the short end of, of your career. You're about done. And you see the possibility to be able to get at least one ring because there's been a lot of great football players that, that Dan Marino comes to mind never got a ring, never got a ring, 
And then you get the opportunity to come to an organization like the Steelers. You know, we're, we're all, we, we are always contenders, period, as far as I'm concerned, uh, especially when everybody's healthy. But I think D'Angelo has been real big. But I wanted to go back to the defense. I know I called in uh, before the first game, and I, I had asked Lance about if we would be a top 15, if we could be a top 15 defense. And what I saw yesterday, I was just – we were all sitting there at the table talking, and like, you know, we can't get any pressure on the quarterback, but we tackled well yesterday. We just had that, that, one, that one play when Artie Burns – and uh, and Davis got caught inside, and the back back got out got the outside containment and scored that late touchdown. But really, I mean, we really did play a tackle the catch, bend but don't break defense yesterday. And then I also I also felt pretty good because you had Artie Burns, you had Davis in there, you had uh, the the rookie from South Carolina State, that D lineman. Uh, I can't think of his name uh, right now. Hargrave. You got those rookies in there playing ball when the game is still on the line. Remember when LeBeau was there, that would never happen. Mm-hmm. Right. That would now, that, that would never happen. Go ahead. Now, Melvin, let me ask you a question, and yeah. it's about the defense. So if I were to give you a scenario and I say that, you know what, if this 2016 Steelers, if they basically say, look, we're going to rush only for every game, and that's to protect the secondary. We're going to give. We're not going to sack the quarterback as much, not nearly as much as the 48 they had in 2015. And we're going to give up yardage, but we're going to be really tight in the red zone, and we're hoping to get a couple mistakes in the zone coverage in the back end. And we're going to average to give up about 16 points per game. Would you sacrifice the sacks and the yardage for that overall success? I definitely would. 16 points a game with our offense. If if we can't beat a team that scores 16 points on us, we don't deserve to win with the offensive weapons that we have. Exactly. I, absolutely. Yeah. I would. I would so take that, that. I would take that in a heartbeat. So that's that's kind of what I'm trying to get through Steeler fans' heads. That I did not think. You know, week one, there, it was well reported that Kirk Cousins struggles against zones. So it made sense. They didn't blitz that much. They didn't rush out. Now, they still blitzed. I'm not saying they never blitzed. They, they blitzed. They blitzed on in week two as well, but it was just not as often as we're used to seeing. And so they, I thought, you know, they're going to go after Andy Dalton. That's just they have to. At AFC North, it's, it's at home. It's the Bengals. And they didn't. They did the same exact thing, and it worked again. And so my, I'm starting to wonder, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again in week three. And, again, I think it's just in everyone's mind, okay, rookie quarterback blitz the hell out of him. Or only rush four, try to get pressure with the bread and butter of your defense, in my opinion, and to it and, and Hayward, and then hope that your secondary is doing what they've been doing, and you're gonna you're gonna tackle the catch, you're gonna force third and long, and you're ultimately probably against a rookie gonna get some turnovers. In my opinion, this defense is built perfectly for this offense because they're gonna give up yardage, they're gonna they're gonna hopefully hold play hold teams to field goals and not touchdowns, and ultimately. 16 points, like you said, at this offense, that should be nothing. That should be nothing. We saw the offense look like garbage in the first half yesterday, and they still were able to go out and put up 24 points. Brian, what do you think about that? You know, Jeff, if this was family feud, 100 people surveyed what is the biggest concern with the Pittsburgh Steelers before this season. Survey says defensive backfield, number one answer. 
right now. That's not that's not your problem right now. You have guys back there that young guys playing above their head. You have a veteran like Willie Gay who's stepping up, but Ross Cockrell, the third year man on the other side, he's in the first game against Washington. He gave up four catches for a total of 36 yards against a, uh, a number three ranked, a number three ranked wide receiver core. And then we're talking about all world AJ Green, two receptions for 37, 38 yards yesterday. That's just phenomenal. And I, mean, you know, I know the weather's a part of it, but Keith Butler's doing. I mean, Keith Butler's doing something, and he really knows what's go what his defense needs to do, and they're preparing that way. So I'll take that every single time. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think that uh, one thing that is not being talked about a lot is the defensive coordinator. Uh, Keith Butler is coaching to his players. Uh, you saw it in Dick LeBeau and Melvin actually pointed that. Melvin, we're having a little background noise on you. So thanks for the phone call. We appreciate it as always. Call back next week. Um, Dick LeBeau would take these players, and, and if they weren't ready, he never showed them the field. I mean, that's why Steeler fans were so frustrated for so many years in regards to the fact that these rookie draft picks never saw the field. It was so rare. And that's like when Jarvis Jones started, but that was because James Harrison left for Cincinnati. Um, everyone was like, well, why is he struggling? Well, the, the scheme was so complex. This started last year where they started putting in this zone defense, Tomlin stamp, with Keith Butler's obvious assistance on the defense. And this is what we're finally seeing. Uh, we're seeing a, a secondary that knows what they're doing. Think back to week one last year. The Steelers go to New England, the Super Bowl champs, and there were plays where they didn't cover Rob Gronkowski. I'm going to say that again for those that forget. They didn't cover Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, the best tight end in the football, the future Hall of Famer. They didn't even cover him. And so now, They're I mean, confused. I, yeah, pre-snap, they, they look like chickens running around with their heads cut off. And now you see they know exactly what they're doing. Ryan Shazier's turning, the secondary, they've all given the same signals, and boom, they're ready to go. That shows a maturation in the system. Keith Butler deserves a lot of credit so far. It's, all, it's still early. It's early, but I have, a, I have faith that if he can throw this wrinkle in this defense early, he's got some other wrinkles later on in the uh, season, absolutely. We have another caller. Uh, let's see here. Let's get this caller on the air. 347-406-7201. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. Jeff and Brian, what's up? It's Bryce from Brooklyn. What's hey, up, Bryce? Bryce? How's it going? What's going on? Going on. Um, great win for the Steelers. Um, Brian, I just want to I want to chime in on a couple things that Brian said. Yeah, let's give – we talked about this before. I think this has come up. Ross Cockrell, uh, what a find for the front office. Just, you know, deceptive speed, good length, six foot tall, really plays a smart, composed game at corner. And I think we saw that last year, too. You know, he was new to the system. You didn't see him give up a lot of deep balls. Um, and, 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 Jeff, we've talked about this. You know, this idea that some of these corners, well, they're not as physical in the run game. And I'm not saying that's not true. But, and I'll, and I'll pose the question, moving forward with the Steeler defense now to the future, would you be willing to sacrifice some run, um, some run support if these guys are going to cover better like Ross is doing? Oh, well, you know, that's, that's a good question because I, I, we thought we said we're soft in the past and 
William Gay was bringing the lumber yesterday. I mean, he had some really nice hits. Right, right. Right. Outside of William Gay, yeah. Right, yeah, but I mean, honestly, if they can cover this way, then yeah, you can you can be a little bit more, I guess, detailed or, or a little bit more unique, a little bit more exotic, if that's the adjective you want to use to describe it, with your play calls. And so th- it opens up a Keith Butler Pandora's box, so to speak, of what he's going to be able to do with the players that he has on his on the field. And so I, I look at this defense, and it's kind of it's ever-evolving. You know, nobody saw Ross Cockrell holding A.J. Green to two catches. No one did. Um, no one saw William Gay. You know, he still con- continues to play at an extremely high level. No one saw Mike Mitchell. I think he's playing great ball back. He's being physical. He's played smart. He's not taking those ridiculous risks that he has in the past. And my boy Robert Golden, who I thought – Everyone said Sean Davis is going to start, and I say, I like Robert Golden. I think he's a smart player. He just does his job. He's doing it. I think it's great. Um, what do you think, Brian, about the secondary? You know, I'm happy with the secondary. You know, they are bringing them up on uh, rushes. They're getting, they are getting some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, even Sean Davis was in the uh, – in the backfield of Cincinnati a couple of times yesterday. That, that, uh, of Robert Golden, you know, I failed to bring him up earlier. That guy was, that guy and Rob, uh, excuse me, Ryan Shazier, they were the players of the defense yesterday, along with Ross Cockrell. I mean, it's like those two guys seem to be around every single tackle. And, and Golden had a, a spectacular play pushing the guy out of bounds um, in the end zone, the, uh, the tight end. I don't remember if it was Azuma or or a Croft, but he uh, he nailed one of those guys out of bounds to nullify that catch. So I mean, he's playing heads up ball. He's getting the opportunity. He went from special teamer to defensive starter, and he's doing it well. And we've seen that happen before with guys coming out of the woodwork. And Rob Golden is the latest guy that could be a stealer for a long, long time back there and be a stalwart of that defense. Yeah. No, no, yeah, Bryce, I, Bryce, let me ask no, you a question ahead. real quick. Real quick, let me ask you a question. So you remember last year you'd call in, whether it was on Wednesdays or after the game, you talked with Chris Carter and myself, and we'd always talk about these glaring weaknesses in the defense. You know, whether it was Brandon Boykin on a specific day, Antoine Blake was always a weakness. Um, <laughs> some people some people pointed to Will Allen in the back end. Where's the weakness right now after two weeks in this defense? Because as I'm sitting here talking about, the safeties, the cornerbacks, the linebackers, you might say pass rush, and I know that's probably what you're going to say, but ultimately, is that a weakness? I'd like to know what you think. Well, now, this is is why I like calling him. I love talking with extremely smart Steeler fans because, to your question, I think you've got some guys in the back end with some deceptive qualities that you don't think. Like Robert Robert Golden – He's a speedy guy. He can get there, yeah. you know, he, and he's smart. So he can kind of surprise you with that. You got Burns, another athletic guy. You got Cockrell, deceptive athleticism. So they've shifted away from these guys that are the thumpers to the guys that can run. Now, to your question, they're going to have to cover longer because I think the glaring weakness for Pittsburgh is not necessarily, I think, the inside rush. I think the two guys we got on the inside, some of the best duo in the business still. Timmons can still thump in the, in the box and Shazier is Shazier. The glaring weakness, and I think we've almost bottomed out in terms of an organization, is even when we get Bud Dupree back, glaring weakness is the outside, consistent outside rush. Can they get home and 
really press those tackles and make them work. So I think to cover that up, if you've got longer guys, more athletic, more known for their cover skills and not run stoppers, even though they'll come up, they're not the most physical guy, excluding William Gay. I think you might be able to make up for that if you can cover just a little bit longer and give the guys a chance to at least get home. So that's the only glaring witness I see, Jeff. What do you think of that? Well, I agree with you, and I knew you were going to say outside linebackers. Let's be honest, when you're going through this roster, it's tough to pick a glaring weakness. There's always going to be weaknesses um, right. no matter what. But I, I said this at the draft. Uh, when people were freaking out about Artie Burns and then Sean Davis, I said, look, what they're losing in experience and Will Allen, Brandon Boykin, and Antoine Blake, they're gaining in athleticism. And right. with Sean Davis is a guy that had a ton of tackles in college. Artie Burns right. is a physical back as well. He doesn't take the best angles. He's learning on the job. But his coverage right. skills, I'm sorry, I was unbelievably impressed with that pass breakup at the end of the first half with Burns where it basically kept him off the scoreboard of a six yes. and left, left him a three. It was a tremendous play. He's growing in front of us, and I think by the second half of the season, you're going to see them either running a lot more dime because he's the guy that's on the field when they run the dime as Timmons comes off, or he might be out there in certain situations against certain players and moving William Gay into the slot. Um, But, yeah, the outside linebacker position, and I don't think Dupree is the the answer that everyone's waiting for. But, again, I want to see a, a game plan where they're rushing the quarterback with some type of consistency. Jarvis Jones, he's moving from right to left. Arthur Motes, I didn't really see him much at all, except for he got the the cupcake sack on Andy Dalton. And right. James Harrison, he seems to be dropping into coverage, like on the fumble by Tyler Boyd, more than he is rushing the quarterback. So maybe this is just the new norm for the Steelers, and if it is, I have to get used to it. But, uh, Brian, what's your take on that weakness question that I asked Bryce earlier? Send Quest Golson. That's your biggest weakness right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, if this is if pass rush is your biggest problem, then you're going to have a great week. That's all I'm going to say. You know, if that's my biggest problem in life, the Steelers pass rush right now and a two and zero record, then I I feel like that's all you bucks because that's all I want right now. Scoreboard is what I want. I'm not worried about I'm not worried about the pass rush because. It's getting done on the other end. And, you know, you know, gosh, 48 sacks last year, fantastic. But what happened in the defensive backfield, that was just dreadful. That's why you were the 25th-ranked defense and, like, the 28th-ranked passing defense last year. It was that bad. Right. You're not going to have that problem this year because you've addressed those issues. So everything that we've asked for, everything on our wish list has been addressed. Now, yeah, we've taken a step back with pass rush, but like I said, if that's your problem, then you ain't got no problems. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I had to think. If I had to take one quote-unquote as Jeff as glaring weakness, it would just be you got to be able, particularly with this offense, if you get the lead, you got to be able to get home and close out with those sacks. So I do think that's something that they need to try to manufacture because you don't want good quarterbacks standing back there all day. Now, I think the second thing, to your point, um, Brian, I'm a little bit – I push on it a little bit Um, when you talked about the tackling. I think they need to continue to become a better tackling team. I have seen a little bit too many missed tackles. They get there because they're fast. But, you know, you got guys overrunning plays and all that. But I think that's more uh, because it's early in the season. I think as they rep it, hopefully that tackling gets better. 
the same thing happened in 2013. They weren't tackling well. But as the season went on, they started to get a little bit better at it. So I hope they can. Well, and I'll say this one last thing, Bryce, before I let you go, is if this front four, and that's really what they're running, a lot of a four-man front now, if they could start getting to the quarterback, this defense, yes. which after two weeks has been good, is going to be great. I mean, period. If you can get Javon Hargrave to start getting to the quarterback and bringing that A-gap pressure and allow Cam Hayward and Stephon to it to kind of create that arc and then you just collapse the pocket, it's only going to make this defense that much better. And what looks like a, a strength of the team right now could be even stronger if Bud Dupree comes back healthy and being able to play. If Golson might be healthy to come back, they still have a team that is, in my opinion, going to get better. You know, a couple of Bengals fans said, well, just wait till you see us next time when Vontez Burfick's back and Tyler Eifert. And I think, okay, well, we're missing Roosevelt Nix, Marcus Wheaton, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Bud Dupree. I could go on. It, there's going to be a different look. It's going to be interesting to see. But, Bryce, as always, we thank you for the phone call. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Take care. Hey, you too. Take it over. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. All righty. So, with the phone lines are still open, if you'd like to call in, you can. It's 347-850-8581. 347-850-8581. Uh, the next player, Brian, that while we wait for maybe another phone call here, is uh, to talk about Ryan Shazier. Um, Ryan Shazier is a guy that people, people, I know I did it at some point. I thought said to myself, I can't believe this guy wasn't even practicing Wednesday, was limited on Thursday, and then finally a full participant on Friday. He was wearing a, a knee brace. The guy ends up getting 11 tackles. He was basically set up camp in the backfield, whether it was run plays, flushed Andy Dalton out of the uh, backfield on several times. His his tackling is so – it very much reminds me of Troy Polamalu, uh, sometimes just throwing his body and breaking up plays and just really just reading and diagnosing very, very well. Um, do you think we've seen the best of Ryan Shazier, Brian, or do you think that the ceiling is still way higher for uh, Shazier, the former, former first-round draft pick? 
you know, I think the ceiling is so high that this guy is a future NFL defensive player of the year if he remains healthy. Wow. This guy has a lot of trips to, I guess, I wouldn't say Hawaii, but that's gone, I guess, Orlando now. Um, this guy's going to be in Pro Bowls, but hopefully not a lot because the Steelers will be in Super Bowls instead. But this guy is going to be on your year-end list of Pro Bowlers and all pros. And I just think he's the guy. But it's that big if, and that's the big elephant in the room right now, is the fact that if he can stay healthy. And uh, I don't think anybody's convinced of that yet. I think uh, I, I heard an interview last week where um, – one of the talking heads were talking about how if he that he's realizing what plays he can make and uh, what plays not to make to uh, remain healthy and not take the chances that he once was. But if you do that, then you know that takes a, a big part of his game away. He's a gazelle out there with just a beastly with a beastly nature. I just love his style of play. For me, he's. He can fit in any era of Steeler football. I mean, I know he's a lot bigger than than uh, anybody you've seen uh, back in the seventies or eighties. But this guy is this guy has has it, and it's a big it. Yeah, but we absolutely. Have, with the it, we're dealing with the if. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And and Shazier, you know, he's. It just seems like maybe, like I said about the defense, maybe this has become the norm with him. I think maybe 11 tackles is going to become the norm, again, if he, if he stays healthy. But I wanted to bring up, and by the way, let me just re-say this again. If you're listening live and you want to call in, you can, 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. And the phone lines are open. So if we don't get any callers in the next few minutes, we'll wrap it up and call it a show. But I wanted to talk about a, a unit that is not being talked about. We talked ad nauseum about the offense and the struggles of Ben Roethlisberger, especially in the first half. We just talked at length about the defense and Ryan Shazier and company. It's time that we give the special team some props, Brian. Um, Jordan Berry, what a tremendous game he had. Not easy conditions. Pouring down rain. The ball's slick, obviously. You could have issues handling the snap. He pinned them inside the five a couple times, definitely inside the ten almost on every occasion. Had one touchback, but that wasn't until the very last punt in the end of the fourth quarter where he punted it almost into the river on purpose because that's the safe, <laughs> that's the safe play. But people, let's not forget the fact that Chris Boswell is doing his job at a ridiculous rate as well. A 49-yarder at Heinz Field in the pouring down rain is no gimme, and he nailed it. It made it, made it look pretty easy. His kickoffs have been sailing deep enough into the end zone that they're not thinking about returns. I think that's safe. I think that's the way that they want to play. I just wanted to take a minute to say that the special teams, at least for me, is not being overlooked. They had a tremendous game. It is something I've watched the opposition do to Pittsburgh that I finally got to see Pittsburgh do to someone else. Think back to all those Ravens games where you know the Steelers' defense makes a big stop and on third down, and then here comes Sam Sam Cook, and he comes out and booms a punt. And next thing you know, Pittsburgh's inside their own 10-yard line. And you're just like, man, what happened? The field position just completely flipped, and just, it's very frustrating. Finally, the Steelers were able to do that to somebody else. I just want to give some props. If you have any, any special teams stuff to say, now's your chance to do it, Brian. Well, you know what? I was watching that game yesterday, and I was like, are these Steelers? Because I have never <laughs> seen the opposition in the last couple of years pin guys in like that. You know, 
Jordan Berry, he's got a huge leg. He's a special player. I have uh, I have actually a friend of mine um, that went to college with him, and they told me, like, it was April of last year, they told me that, yeah, you're – our friend is with the Steelers right now. I said, well, what position does he play? And they're like, oh, he's a punter. I'm like, yeah, he's not making the team, but, you know, good luck. He'll get a nice nice trip to Latrobe, and he'll be okay, and he'll go on his merry way and go back to uh, overnight McDonald's manager in, uh, in Australia. And then here he comes, and he's blasting off a 79 last year. He, uh, he went ahead and, and hit yesterday, I believe. I mean, actually the first week of 62, he was booming balls yesterday pinning guys in, that's that's just great. And here's the thing. You throw him with Boswell, so we'll just call him the B&B. You have the B&B now. That you don't even have to worry about that. You know, yeah. you're at home with the B&B, Jeff. I think that's a T-shirt that, that, we, <laughs> that we could make because you don't even have to worry about special teams right now. It seemed like you mentioned uh, Sam Cook in Baltimore, but it was – it was the opposite feeling in Pittsburgh was, all right, get a stop. Here comes a punter. And uh, it's a nice 32 yarder off the side of their leg, not inside the 20, but at the 40 yard line. And the opposition has great field position or with the, uh, with the SCOBY debacle of last year, uh-huh. you're getting so many opportunities where they have to go for it on fourth down um, at the end of the game, because they don't trust their kicker because he's blown a few. That's that's what you want. And something about last, yesterday's game that uh, we failed to mention with Chris Boswell, he was going up against three guys, the uh, special teams unit, trying to block kicks that were 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven, and 6'8", if I'm not mistaken. That's how big those guys were. And he was getting them over, and he was getting them through. Absolutely. And it's kind of surprising, and I guess you can talk about this with the special teams, is that – the Pittsburgh Steelers, after two weeks, and they've put up, uh, let's see here, what was the first, 38 and 24 points, or 20, yeah, 26 points, I'm sorry. I can't, no, 24. Um, they, they've put up some points, and they have not gone for two yet once. It's been surprising. I, I thought that they would have at least gone for the two-point conversion once um, in this time, but they haven't. But Boswell's been perfect with PATs as well as doing a good job off the kickoffs. Now, we don't have any more callers, Brian, so now's your chance. I'm going to give you your soapbox. You can go ahead and talk to Steeler Nation, kind of like your final thought for the show uh, before we send it off. So go ahead, get on the soapbox, climb on up there, and uh, say what you want to say. You know, my final thought for the night, Jeff, is, you know, yesterday was ugly. But good teams win ugly, and that's all there is to it. Good teams know when to win know how to win, and know what they have to do to win, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no doubting that this is a good team. They need to play smart, and they're doing it. That defense, for everything that we're saying about that defense with no pass rush, Keith Butler knows what he's doing. He is becoming the guy. No one's going to forget about Dick LeBeau, but you're going to remember the name Keith Butler because he served his time as an apprentice for a very long time. He was promised the job. He had a chance to be the uh, coordinator in Indianapolis. He was promised that job. They kept their promise. He stayed, and now he is bringing that defense back to prominence, and it's special. That was the problem with his team, and now you're adding a very good defense right now for 
a very well-prepared defense, we can say it that way, to an excellent offense. And, you know, Mother Nature had a big, was a big reason that that offense didn't put up 40 points yesterday because against a very good Cincinnati defense, they would have lit that game up. That's, uh, you know, they weren't bad. They were having trouble with the circumstances, and Cincinnati was having trouble with the circumstances. But, you know, against Philadelphia this week, I think they go ahead and break that 51-year drought and just go in and go to 3-0. Couldn't have said it better myself. My final thought for the night is going to be simple. Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a fan of the show. You're a fan of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I want you all to think about this team as just a new slate. Yeah, we can always look back to 2015. We can look back beyond that with Mike Tomlin's era since 2007 and point to games where maybe they could have, should have won, and they didn't. Let's let this team play out and show us what they're made of. Yeah, there are those games that the Steelers, uh, it was atrocious, whether it was Tampa Bay a few years ago at home, whether it was the Raiders a few years ago at home, whether it was uh, on the road against Michael Vick and the, the New York Jets a few years ago. We all remember those bad games, but before anyone starts talking about trap game or issues on the road or losing to bad teams, let's see what this team has. Because if anything we learned in 2015, and I know I just said we don't always have to go back, is that this is a very uh, is a group that deals with adversity well. All those injuries they suffered, they know how to stay resilient. 2016 looks to be the same type of team, so I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't just primed to go in and beat teams that might be lesser. Some might say the Philadelphia Eagles fall in that category, but they're going to be primed to set the table up for hopefully a playoff berth and maybe even home field advantage. So if you called in, thank you, thank you for doing so. We don't have a show without the callers, so all the people that called in and took the time, we appreciate it. Brian, as always, I thank you for your time on this Monday evening. Make sure you check out a couple shows coming up for you this week. Tomorrow night, Tuesday, Brian's show with that going to be fact or fiction. Hopefully Brian didn't just hurt himself there. And uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, my show with Lance Williams will be on Wednesday night. The standard is the standard. And then we'll have some more content for you, like the NFL through black and gold eyes will be at, towards the end of the week. I think it's going to be on Friday this week. But we thank you for listening. Check out Behind the Steel Curtain for all the latest tips for Steelers need. For Brian, I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.